I am Pastor Corrine Boroff, Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at andersonfirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message.
Our lesson is from Numbers 14, 1 through 10. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb, Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all of the Israelites at the tabernacle. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. that you are to hold out your dollar and take it out and look at it. We're going to talk about this a little bit and hopefully all of you have one. The dollar bill has been around for a very long time since 1862 and pretty much the design of the dollar has remained the same. It's been called different things. It was started as a, a federal reserve, it started as a legal tender note went to a silver certificate, and then the Federal Reserve note. And so the, those change just a little bit in how it's redeemed. As a silver note, you could turn it in for silver, which was kind of cool. But that changed. Um, and the, in circulation, there are over 12 billion $1 bills. 45% of all the currency that is produced in the United States are $1 bills. So they're everywhere, right? We have a lot of them in circulation, something that's not new to any of us. We've seen them and we've had them. It takes less than five cents to create a $1 bill. And it will only circulate for about uh, five and a half years, and then it's pulled. So its lifespan normally is only about five and a half years. So we have this dollar bill that's been around for an extremely long time, something very, very familiar to us. Something about the dollar bill that has changed. In 1957, 
the words on the back of the bill, just above the number, the word one, is in God we trust. That's when it was added. It was added first to the dollar bill, and, and now it's found on all of our coinage and bills. It was added then. And so what this dollar bill is for us today is a reminder. And whether you hold on to this specific bill or not, or whether you pull out other dollar bills from your billfold from time to time, I invite it always to remind you of, in God we trust. Let it be a trigger to remind you. It's something that we've all had from the time that we were old enough to know this wasn't something to eat. And we grew up all throughout. We've all had a dollar bill. And if you say, well, I haven't, well, you do now. Okay? (laughs) Everybody's had these. So it's a reminder that we all can carry around with us all the time. A reminder that's very accessible to us in a place that we open up and use a lot wherever we carry our coins and our bills it's there so it's a good reminder to us in God we trust and so we are challenged to do so but you know what trusting God is really difficult Trusting God with all parts of our life is really a struggle for all of us. Whether it be life, whether it be circumstances, whether it be a tragedy, whether it be an attitude that we have, whatever causes a struggle in our life, maybe it's a tragedy. There are times in our lives, if not just periodic, Sometimes these feelings are sustained where we question our God and we don't necessarily trust what God is telling us or even that God is there. Our scripture speaks to that from Numbers 14. We have a scripture this morning and it begins with the people are crying. This is the people of God, and just to put you in the setting of where they are and what's going on, the people of God were rescued from Egypt. They were brought across the Red Sea, and in less than a year, they were standing before the Promised Land. They were standing across the River Jordan from Cana. They could see it. That was the promised land that God wanted to give to them. They knew that. God told them that. Moses and Aaron told them where they were. And you see, for the first ten chapters of Numbers, we have the story of the people of God being prepared to be God's people in a new place. You see, they were ordered and organized. They were set apart and blessed. They were taught how to give. They were ready. They were ready to be the people of God. And yet, here they are. 
Now, what they did when they got to the promised land is they said, you know, we're not so sure about this. We want to send over some spies to check out what's going on over there, and they'll come back and tell us really what's happening and really whether we can succeed over there or not. You see, the, ten, the 12 spies that they sent were not God's idea, but since they were bent on doing it, God gave them instructions on how to do that well. So God instructed them that of the 12, they send one from every tribe of Israel so that the whole nation could be represented. And that they would stay over there investigating, observing, checking things out for 40 days. You see, 40 is our number that says it's complete. And so for 40 days they were gone and they came back and their report was grim. Ten of them, the majority of the 12 said, oh, no. We can't do it. The land is everything that God said it was. It is wonderful. We just can't survive over there. You see, the people are giants. The cities are so fortified, we'd never get into a city. We can't do it. God has set us up for failure. And so they cried. Now why in the world were they crying? Well, there were a couple things going on. You see, they believed that their God had set them up. They were mourning the loss of the God that they thought they had. They believed that God had put them in a position where they would never survive if they crossed over to Canaan, that they would be defeated instantly. And so they were grieving the fact that God didn't love them anymore, that God had left them. They were also looking at the situation and saying, well, God isn't with us. God's not here to protect us. We're better off being dead. You know, folks, watch out what you pray for because that whole generation was sent back into the wilderness for 40 years And those that were wishing to be dead became dead. (laughs) And it was the generation that followed them that then was brought back to the promised land and led by Joshua into the promised land. And we have the story of Jericho, the wall of Jericho. But you see, these people were really struggling with how to trust God. And they decided because of what the majority had voted, those spies, they couldn't trust God. I mean, ten of them came back and said, no, it can't be done. You can't trust God because 
We saw giants. We saw cities you couldn't begin to get into. They'll kill us as soon as they see us coming. So they were really struggling. They'd lost their faith in God. And in fact, they even said as Caleb and Joshua spoke up, two that had been with the twelve spoke up and said, yes, it is what's been described, but with God we can do all things. God will provide for us if we trust our God. Well, the majority then decided that Caleb and Joshua ought to be killed. They decided that they ought to go back to Egypt. They they needed new leaders, and they would just follow different people back to Egypt and surrender themselves back to Pharaoh. Because that was better than living out here being led by a God they could not trust. Now that sounds awful, doesn't it? But we struggle with the same things in our life. We struggle to know when God is here. We struggle to know where God is leading us because it's really hard to take those steps forward when we don't see the destination bright and clear. And that's not always given to us. We struggle too. But I invite you to see at the end of this passage where God was in all this. It says, the glorious presence of the Lord showed up. Not the condemning presence of God, not the wrath of God, but the glory of God. The love, the grace, the mercy of God was present with these people who were so blind to what God had to offer to them. God loved them anyway. I'm reminded of Romans 8:39. The passage basically says that absolutely nothing, nothing in all creation, nothing in the heavens, nothing on earth, nothing we've done, nothing we will do can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a God worth trusting. And you see, we have to ask ourselves, can we trust God? There was a woman, her name, her story came out as Virginia's story. It started in 2000. She had married a very influential businessman, and they had it all. They had the country club, the very expensive cars, the big house. They, they had several different homes in different parts of the country and world. They traveled freely, and then he was fired. 
And so they thought, well, we'll just keep status quo here because another job will come. I mean, he's wonderful. Somebody's going to want him right away and, and snatch him up, and it didn't happen. And years passed. And they tried to pretend that things were okay. They, they continued to attend their church. They continued to show up for different activities and events and for worship and continue to participate, but they were really angry because their God had abandoned them. And it really, really broke the camel's back when one morning he was taking a shower. This was before church, before worship, and he said, Honey, I'm out of soap. And she said, we don't have any more. They didn't have the money to purchase a bar of soap for the shower. And they both broke down and cried and decided that their hearts needed to change. Something big had to happen because they lost it all and were continuing to lose out on everything. And so going to church that day, the sermon that they listened to was on trusting God and they decided that's what they needed to do. Rather than being angry with God, they just needed to turn their hearts and their situation over to God, be honest with God, and tell God that they needed God to give them what they needed to survive, needed to sustain themselves. And they did. They asked the pastor after the service to have a prayer with them, and the pastor did. And Virginia says when they got home that day, there was a promotional bag that had been left on their uh, doorknob of their house. And they said they really thought it was odd that somebody had left a promotional bag on the doorknob of their house on a Sunday. But they picked it up, they took it in the house, and after a while they looked in and inside was a bar of soap. And they said, just a simple bar of soap was an affirmation to them that God was watching over them. Virginia goes on to say that as the years have passed, their financial situation really hasn't improved any. They're struggling day to day for basic needs. But they said every day they trust God. And every day they have just what they need for that day. And she said, quite frankly, we don't miss the rest of it at all. She concludes that our financial situation never did improve, but our hearts did. Our faith grew into a faith that could trust God.
And so I invite you to ask yourself this morning the struggles that you have, the, the tragedies that you may face, the life situations that you're living under and with. Can you trust God? Our church has opened the door Thursday night at our reveal, sharing that we feel the team has felt like God is calling us to offer a day center for our neighbors. And we as a church have to ask ourselves, can we trust God in this? Our denomination on Tuesday just had a vote at our general conference, the special called general conference, that has directed United Methodists all around the world, set a direction for us. And whether we think that's the direction we need to be going or not, because United Methodists are a very diverse group, of Christians, can we trust God? Those are the questions that we have to ask ourselves. And I invite you to be reminded of what we carry around with us all the time whether we pay attention to it or not, I invite you to do so from now on, that in God, we do trust. That's innately who we are. In God, we trust. Amen.